Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Today's Monday, December 18, 2023. Yemen's Houthi militia attacked two commercial ships in the Red Sea with drones on Monday. A Houthi spokesman identified the vessels as the Panama-flagged MSC Clara and the Norwegian-owned Swan Atlantic. The Houthis said the ships were attacked because they failed to respond to calls from the group to stop their movement through the Red Sea. The Houthis say they have been attacking vessels on the Red Sea with links to Israel in protest of the Jewish state's genocide of Palestinians in Gaza. World War III is heating up and expanding. True News has the details for you. Let's look at a ynetnews.com report on possible U.S. military action against Yemen. So, Doc, here we go. The war is expanding. Yeah. Uh, various news agencies, uh, including Ynet News in Israel, reporting U.S. malls military action against Houthis amid Red Sea blockade. So we're not talking now about Israel bombing Yemen. Right. We're talking about the United States of America bombing Yemen. Yes. Now, they've been kind of leading up to this, hinting about this for about a week now, uh, but it uh, looks like things are underway for there to be U.S. military action against Yemen. The U.S. is considering an attack on the Houthis in Yemen after the spike in attacks meant to impose a naval blockade on Israel and disrupt maritime trade routes that are critical for the world economy. Uh, political reported, uh, reported late on Saturday, citing two Biden administration officials. One of those officials told Politico that the Pentagon had moved the Dwight D. Eisenhower carrier strike group into the Gulf of Aden off the coast of Yemen in support of possible U.S. action. Now, the group was moved from the Persian Gulf, where it had been deployed at the start of the war in Gaza as part of the U.S. effort to assist Israel and to deter Iran and its proxies from opening additional fronts against the Jewish state. Rick, uh, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was scheduled to arrive in Israel on Monday for meetings with Israeli leaders, accompanied by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Charles Brown. Now, those two were also expected to travel to Bahrain and Qatar in an effort to establish an international coalition to respond to the threats posed by the Houthis. Now, ahead of his trip, uh, Secretary Austin extended the deployment of the USS Gerald Ford carrier strike group sent to the Mediterranean in early October for an additional month. There are currently 19 American warships in the area, seven in the Mediterranean Sea, and 12 in the Red Sea, the Arabian Sea, and the Persian Gulf. Now, it looks like, Rick, uh, even though we may not be directly involved in Israeli action, we're going to be involved in it secondhand by yes. getting involved with Yemen. So it, it is bringing the United States into the war. Yes. Uh, into Israel's war, because that's why this is happening, is Absolutely. because of Israel. 
uh, the Houthis are stating um, they are not going to sit back and let Israel slaughter the Palestinians. And so it's it's really the only country, Yemen is the only country that has said we're willing to um, do more than talk. Yes. All right? We're going to stop all naval uh, vessels going through the Red Sea if they're linked with Israel. And and so what are we seeing? Uh, w- w- what you're going to see is the price of, of oil and gasoline increasing uh, very soon. I mean, like as of today, yes. you're seeing an increase. Here in Florida, in, in the Treasure Coast, we're, we're paying about two seventy nine a gallon for gasoline right now. It hasn't been this low for a long, long time. For two years. Has it I been mean, two years? Yes. And uh, But you, this is going – if this continues, you're going to see gasoline prices increasing. Yes. Um, I'm going to give you an example. Here's BBC. Uh, BP pauses all Red Sea shipments after rebel attacks. So British Petroleum. Uh, today announced all shipments of oil through the Red Sea have been halted. Yes. So there's going to be repercussions in the marketplace. And if open warfare breaks out between the United States and Yemen, um, the Red Sea is is going to be a, a dangerous place to be for a period of time. And this is, you see BP being the first one out of the gate saying they will be pausing shipments after recent attacks by the uh, rebels in Yemen. The company blamed the deteriorating security situation in the region as the uh, Yemen's uh, target ships they believe are bound for Israel. Now, many freight firms have suspended journeys as the attacks continue, and BP said it would keep its precautionary pause under ongoing review. Now, on Monday, one of the world's largest shipping firms said it would no longer carry Israeli cargo via the Red Sea. Uh, in this update uh, seen by the BBC, Evergreen Line said, for the safety of ships and crew, Evergreen Line has decided to temporarily stop all, stop accepting uh, Israeli cargo with immediate effect and has instructed its container ships to suspend navigation through the Red Sea until further notice. So this is not only impacting oil shipments, but now it's impacting Cargo shipments. You've probably seen some of the big Evergreen Line, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cargo ships even off the coast of Florida here. So, Doc, you know, I, I think most Americans, including myself, we, we don't think of Yemen as being a uh, a military uh, powerful nation. But in recent weeks, we we saw ballistic missiles going up the center of the Red Sea. Yes, All, like that's four, quite a distance, like fourteen hundred miles. Which that surprised me. I had, I had to go <laughs> look at a map and calculate the distance between Yemen and uh, the top of the Red Sea where they were trying to um, uh, hit Israeli targets. And it was like 1,400 miles. And I had, um, I had a Jordanian person who told me that he, you know, they witnessed um, missiles in the air going across the, the Red Sea. Boy, that's, uh, that must have been chilling to see that. But at the same time, the image of Yemen is that it's this uh, uh, little country that's been struggling against Saudi Arabia here for years, that they've been pretty much wiped out by all this activity with the Saudis. But, but that's not but the it, case. But Iran has been shipping in very powerful missiles. Right. So we don't know what Yemen has hidden away that they could bring out. But the real... You know, if the United States Navy starts 
shelling Yemen. Obviously, Yemen's going to take a serious hit. But the threat to the U.S. Navy is not so much the Yemeni missiles. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the um, inflatable rafts yes. carrying explosives that they travel out at dark in nighttime right. to a U.S. naval vessel and explode it next to the vessel, and it sinks. That's the danger. And so that's what you've got to watch out for, that there will be swarms of inflatable rafts going out to uh, U.S. naval ships during the nighttime and exploding next to the ships. This this war is heating up every single week. It it gets bigger. And, folks, I'm telling you, you you have to— Understand that World War III is on. And has been on for a while. For two years, you are in World War III, and it is expanding. We now have a Middle Eastern theater, and, it's, and the Middle Eastern theater is expanding. Yemen is the one that's, that's saying, we will take on Israel. We'll take on the U.S. Navy. I mean, it's, I mean nobody, nobody in their right mind thinks that Yemen is going to defeat the U.S. Navy. And but the, but Yemen could do some serious damage to some Navy ships. And for sure, the U.S. is going to make sure that oil and cargo move. They're, they're going to make sure of that one way or the other. So you've got BP that's uh, shutting down things for now, Evergreen Line. In addition to that, CNBC is reporting the MSC, uh, Hapik Loig, and Maersk are also uh, uh, curtailing operations in the Red Sea because of these attacks. Uh, the these shipping companies and the oil companies are not going to allow this to go on indefinitely without U.S. protection and support. And so things are going to happen pretty quickly here, Rick. It is. And, Doc, I, I saw a video on uh, X platform over the weekend, and this is uh, Yemen Houthi leader Mohammed al-Bakhati. Uh, yes. And he issued a threat. And he said, if Saudi Arabia or, or, or the United Arab Emirates, these are threats against Arab countries. Right. He said, if you guys enter this war in favor of Israel by attacking us, because instead of Israel directly attacking uh, Yemen, what he's saying here is, <clears throat> you know, we're hearing rumors that Saudi Arabia and the UAE may do Israel's dirty work. Right. And if that happens, there won't be an oil field left standing in the Middle East. Let's watch. So he says, look, I asked you if Saudi Arabia and the UAE are going to be part of that coalition or not. Uh, then the truce and the no escalation policy shall continue. But suppose Saudi Arabia and the UAE are going to be part of any coalition for aggression against Yemen and escalation against Yemen. In that case, I will tell you frankly that we will target every oil field and gas field in Saudi Arabia and the UAE. And we will target all the ships that are transporting oil as well. Anyways, winter is coming in Europe and America. That's the last line there. Just a reminder, it gets cold in the winter. And you may not have oil. Right. This next video um, also includes a, uh, a, a, a Houthi leader. Oh, this is, a, this is a rally that took place on Friday in Yemen against Israel. Folks, wait till you see the size of the crowd. See, 
Americans, Westerners, we have no idea that other parts of the world are gathering in massive numbers to denounce Israel and the United States for what they believe is genocide against the Palestinian people. That crowd that you're looking at there, Rick, is an estimated 2.2 million people that assembled for this particular rally here. Which is the size of the entire Gaza population. Right. So think of this as for every Gazan, one Yemeni showed up representing that Gazan in a protest to denounce who? The United States and Israel. So here is a massive outpouring of fury against Israel and the United States and support for uh, the Gazans. And it's, 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 it's an indication of how quickly World War III is spreading, expanding, yes. intensifying. Again, Americans don't know anything about this because you don't see this on Fox News or CNN. They don't want you to know that millions of people are enraged over U.S. foreign policy. So, yeah, so this is just the start of uh, what I believe are going to be a further protest because some of these nations are, are eventually they're going to have to stand up one side or the other. Yes. I mean, uh, and, and, includes- and Doc, this next story. Uh, th- now, this is from a uh, memory um, posting, which is a, a an Israeli-linked, uh, funded website that tracks uh, Arabic, Islamic uh, events and news. So, I mean, we understand that, that this is, uh, this is a, uh, a, an Israeli website. Uh, but it's important. I go there often to, to follow what's happening in the Middle East. So... The, the headline says, Islamic Scholars Convention in Islamabad calls for jihad against Israel. Hamas leader tells nuclear-armed Pakistan, quote, if Pakistan threatens Israel, then the Gaza war can stop. Jews are Muslims' greatest enemies in the world. Doc, uh, oh, Fox News did a uh, follow-up on this story. And we'll put up the Fox News headline, Islamic Convention featuring Hamas leaders say war would end if nuclear-armed Pakistan threatened Israel. Really, I didn't see that one coming. I I didn't see that as a possibility. Well, Yemen and and Pakistan were outside of my radar screen. I I didn't see little Yemen being the one who would say, we'll take on all of you guys. And I didn't think about anyone going over to Pakistan saying, hey, you guys got nukes? Come over here and help us. So they are primarily Islamic country, and they're really the only Islamic country out there with nuclear weapons. Yes. And it didn't occur to me until I saw this article earlier today that they could pose a genuine threat if they so chose to against Israel. Now, Hamas leaders and Islamic scholars met in Pakistan's capital for a convention last week and argued that Israel's war in Gaza would end if Pakistan, a country armed with nuclear weapons, threatened Israel itself. Now, the conference titled The Sanctity of Al-Asqa Mosque and the Responsibility of Islamic Ummah was organized by Pakistan Ummah Unity Assembly, a network of Islamic religious organizations. That's according to memory. One of the uh, featured speakers, Ismail Hinaya, was quoted as calling for nuclear-armed Pakistan to play a more robust role in the Israel-Hamas conflict. 
He said, Pakistan is a strong country. If Pakistan threatens Israel, then the war can stop, Panaya said. We have lots of expectations from Pakistan. Pakistan can force Israel to retreat. And that's coming from Islamic scholars who set the tone for the Islamic people yes. all across the Middle East. Now, there are nuclear weapons in Turkey. Turkey is an Islamic country, but Turkey doesn't officially own the nukes. Right. They, they are American. Um, uh, hydrogen bombs uh, at, at, the, uh, at the U.S. air base in Turkey. But in Pakistan's case... They own the nukes. And this is interesting because when you normally think of Pakistan, its nuclear opponent is generally India. India. So, uh, in fact, uh, lots of uh, war scholars, they say the next one possible regional war that's off the map could be a Pakistan-India war. But I never counted on maybe Pakistan threatening Israel. They'd be the only ones who could do it. Never, ever, Doc. That that idea has never entered my mind until this weekend. Again, World War III is on. It's growing. It's expanding. It's deepening. It's worsening. You are ignoring it at your own peril. That's all I can say. I'm doing my job here. Doc and I are working diligently to keep you informed. I don't know of any other news organization in the world that is covering World War III as extensively and as aggressively as we are. Uh, most organizations, uh, they, they don't even say the words World War III. No. And the few that do will hint that it could happen. Yes. It may, World War III may be in the future. We are the only news organization that's telling you that World War III started in February of 2022 with the uh, Russia-Ukraine war. So now we're, the war has expanded to the Middle East. Right. So we, we enter it as Americans in kind of a myopic situation. It's not World War III until we get attacked. Precisely. But we're doing the attacking. Yes. We're, we're paying for the attacking. We're, we're sending the bombs. We're sending the mortars. Look, if, if there were, were no U.S. weapons and shells and ammo and money, there would be no Ukraine war. Yes. If we shut down the flow of money and weapons to Israel, that war would shut down eventually yes. because we finance the Israeli military. That's, it's an extension of the Pentagon. So America is leading World War III. According to the London Times, Netanyahu is planning to expand the war into Lebanon. Yes. Israel plans for new ground war against Hezbollah. Well, Hezbollah is in Lebanon, which means that uh, Bibi, the baby butcher, is seriously planning to send Israeli troops inside Lebanon to engage Hezbollah. And this is in uh, resistance to even some of the allies saying, don't, don't do that. Don't 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 go that far yet. Some of his military commanders are saying you don't want to be doing this. Right. But the man's bloodthirsty, Doc. He's bloodthirsty. He wants to go down in history as the Zionist leader who conquered Israel's enemies. He wants to be the Jewish Alexander the Great. Hmm. Yes, he does, doesn't he? And he doesn't care how many people die. He doesn't care what people write about him now. 
He wants to be, he wants statues made of him a hundred years from now. That's what he's thinking about. He wants statues of, of Netanyahu. He wants portraits. He wants to be in the history books as the Jewish Alexander the Great who conquered the Middle East and, and regathered greater Israel. Well, yeah. he'd be following the footsteps of others that uh, were part of terrorist groups in the founding of Israel. But the London Times says that Israel's military has drawn up plans to invade southern Lebanon, risking a further escalation in the war in the Middle East and in the face of calls for restraint from its western allies. The IDF says it wants to drive Hezbollah forces in southern Lebanon north to the Latani River, a sign of simple, uh, symbolic importance for both sides says what happened in the South is nothing compared to what they could do here, the senior officer said. Israeli doctrine is to take the war to the other side. Now, the decision as to whether to launch a ground force across the border is one for Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, and his war cabinets to decide. But there could be no going back to the status quo before October 7th. That's coming from Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conricus, an IDF spokesman. He said the IDF is prepared and has been preparing, and the IDF chief of staff has approved plans and has already defined schedules for readiness. And so, Rick, they've already got the uh, uh, the script writ out, written out already. They're they ready had, to move They had forward. this script written a long time ago, Doc. They just they needed a crisis to implement the plan. And that's why on October 7th, the Israeli military stood down. They stood down. They waited for this to happen. They needed the excuse, hmm. just like September 11, which gave George Bush the, the green light to start a 20-year-long war right. on behalf of Israel, which we're still doing it. Yes, our support of, of, of Israel right now to kill the Palestinians. This is part of what Bush started in 2001. Absolutely right, Rick. Yes. London Times also, Israel-linked group claims cyber attack on Iran petrol stations. This happened today, Doc. Yes. 70% of the uh, gasoline stations in Iran were shut down today. Right. By an Israeli cyber Attack group, which basically admitted to doing it, and so now, they didn't basically. Yeah, they they actually they posted it. on X and said we did it. So, a hacker group previously linked to Israel claimed to have disabled the the gasoline pumps throughout Iran on Monday, uh, causing uh, chaos. Many Iranian petrol stations were said to be unable to serve customers. State media estimated that seventy percent, as Rick said, of the nation's pumps were out of action. A group calling itself Gonchetsky Durande or Predatory Sparrows claimed responsibility. So they posted on Twitter, uh, or X, formerly Twitter, and this is their, this is a terrorist, cyber terrorist group that has its own Twitter page. We, you mean the Israeli military. Yeah, that's true. We, Jessica Durande, uh, carried out another cyber attack today, taking out a majority of the gas pumps throughout Iran. The cyber attack comes in response to the aggression of the Islamic Republic and its proxies in the region. Kamani, playing with fire has a price, and a uh, companion uh, post with that a month ago we warned you that we're back and that we will impose costs for your provocations this is just a taste of what we have in store and they post this also on telegram and various places 
They go on to say, they outlined their, what they did. They said, as in our previous operations, the cyber attack was conducted in a controlled manner while taking measures to limit potential damage to emergency services, they said. We delivered warnings to emergency services across the country before the operation began and ensured a portion of the gas stations across the country were left unharmed for the same reason, despite our access and capability to completely disrupt their operation. How, how nice of them to keep some of the gas pumps running, Rick. Yes, for humanitarian purposes. If they would only be uh, so kind to the people in Gaza. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, I wanted to, to mention that American Reserves has a, uh, a special offer for the True News family uh, this week. And uh, uh, they, they are giving uh, some uh, products away for uh, every $500 order that you place. So, uh, again, this is the right time. Look at what's happening in the world. Deal with it. Don't rationalize it. Don't say it can't happen here. Not gonna, it's not going to affect me. Look, at any time, look at what just happened in Iran. Yes, Cyber attackers in Israel shut down 70% of the gasoline stations in the entire country. And they could have shut down 100%, according yes. to, their, to their story. And they also posted, I don't know if you, you saw that, they, they also posted, by the way, here's, here's all the things that we saw when we hacked the, the uh, fuel system. Uh, and it's like customer names, identification. They, went, they posted everything that they saw. Just to let you know, we've got a lot more information than, than you think. The same thing that could happen here. Um, is the CIA involved? We don't know. But what we're seeing is that the Israeli intelligence uh, agencies and military intelligence are directing these attacks. Right. And eventually, Iran or another nation is going to say, well, uh, we're going to return fire. We're going to shut down um, all the fuel stations in America or Great Britain or someplace. This is what's coming in the weeks and months ahead as the war deepens and worsens and expands. So right now we're in the law. We're still in, This is still pre-December 7, 1941. Yes. There was a war going on before December 7, 1941. Started in 39. Right. And the American people barely knew about it. They listened to radio. They heard the reports. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Hitler's attacking over in Europe. Uh, Japanese are attacking in Asia. Oh, that's terrible. And we were providing material support to Great Britain and other countries to help them through the yes. uh, land lease agreement and everything. And putting so. sanctions on the Japanese mm -hmm. empire. Yes. We're repeating everything. But the American people, life was... Uh, normal. You know, normal. We were coming out of the Great Depression. We just needed one more push to get out of the Great Depression. Just one more push, like a war that would rev up the factories, get get everybody's mind off of the Depression, get it on survival in a war. And along came Pearl Harbor. Are we going to have a Pearl Harbor event in America? A lot of people say, yes, it's going to happen. Well, that, yes, could be in the coming months as World War III expands. I truly, sincerely encourage you to do all that you can do to stockpile food and necessary things 
water filters, shortwave radios. Look, if the Internet goes down, if there's a blackout, uh, we will continue to broadcast via shortwave radio. We're not going to stop. We will find a way to continue to reach you. But you have to have you have to have the device in your hand in order to receive our messages. World, shortwave radio was invented for World War II. Yes. That was the purpose of shortwave radio, so that people could communicate and transmit information about the war from continent to continent. It's old technology, but it's old technology that works. Hey, here's a message from American Reserves. We'll be back with more World War III news. The disciples asked Jesus about the end of the age. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you aren't troubled. For all this must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, plagues, and earthquakes in many places. I'm Dr. Robert A. Schuler, and I'm on a mission to encourage Christian families to prepare for tough times. That's why I'm endorsing American Reserves. American Reserves can help you build a food storehouse like Joseph in Egypt. American Reserves offers emergency food packages for a month or full year, buckets of freeze-dried beef and chicken, assorted vegetables and fruits, and powdered eggs are ready for quick delivery. A panic can cause store shelves to be emptied in hours. Be wise. Be ready. Order food at AmericanReserves.com. If you're like me, you love free stuff. For a limited time only, American Reserves is offering two free items with any purchase of $500 or more. That's right, you'll receive a 72-hour kit and a milk bucket free with your purchase of $500 or more. Head over to the American Reserves website now. This sale ends on December 23rd. Okay, so you have until Saturday, December 23rd, for every $500 order American Reserves will give you a free 72-hour emergency kit and a free bucket of dried whey milk. By the way, that 72-hour uh, kit has a lot of food in it. That yeah, it's not just a knapsack. It's, no, it's, it, it, it's got a little, I mean. It's got food in it. Yes, a lot of food. To eat for three days. Yes. So every $500 order, you know, when I said this last week, I hope, I hope the folks at the American Reserve don't care. I hope they're not upset with me because if, if you know, if I were placing, uh, let's say I was planning to buy $1,000 worth of food, I, I, the way it sounds like, okay, because it's over $500, I get one 72-hour kit and one milk bucket. You, you know how I would order. Yes, you'd, you'd order two $500 I, I would orders. split my orders. <laughs> I'd have two five hundred dollar orders. That's just the German in you. That's the German in me. Okay, then I'd get two seventy two hour kits and two milk buckets. And if you're, you know, if you're doing a fifteen hundred dollar order, then there's three because you you split it up into three orders. I don't think that they will complain if I, uh, if they find out I'm saying this to you. So just be wise. All right, be wise. Um, take advantage of the offer. It's now through Saturday, December twenty third. Um, okay, so now uh, we got some, uh, you know, this is this is a part of uh, True News in the last uh, two months I don't like uh, sharing with you, but you're big people. 
you're different than most of the people that, that uh, watch news. Because even the people that, that are news junkies can't handle a lot of truth. The true news audience is different. You, know, you're, uh, you can handle industrial strength news. And, and so this next segment, I want to show you some uh, real pictures and videos coming out of Gaza because we just cannot close our eyes and ignore what's taking place as much as it is troubling and disturbing. So on Saturday, a Christian mother and daughter were shot to death inside a church in Gaza. They were missionaries. Yes. Mother and daughter. The mother went to the bathroom and an Antichrist army sniper shot her. The daughter ran to her mother who was wounded. Trying to rescue her. Tried to tried to carry her wounded mother to safety. And the Israeli Antichrist sniper shot the daughter, too. Both of them died Saturday inside the church. Do you understand where we're at now? Tribulation has started. You know, those um, end-time prophecy wall charts you bought years ago? You can throw them in the trash. Because they told you the tribulation, that you were going to be raptured and taken away before tribulation started. Where were their rapture at? Yeah, where, where was their rapture? Tribulation has started for the Gazans. Ask them if they think this is tribulation. Um, I mean, what does tribulation look like? So two Christian missionary women serving the Lord. How were they serving the Lord? Serving Christians in a church in a war zone. How many of us would do such a thing, Doc? Would you volunteer for missionary duty in Gaza right now? That would be one of the last places people would think of serving. I mean, you're under constant fire. Now, after this story, why would anyone go? The Jews are shooting Christians in Christian churches. In no one's saying anything about it, are they? Well, the BBC picked up the story. Uh, they talked about Gazans trapped in church, fear being shot. That's coming from a relative here in the U.S. Civilians trapped in a church in Gaza City are living in an unreal sense of fear. A relative of one of those confined there has said, Fifi Saba, whose sister is trapped inside the Holy Family Church there in Gaza, said people were scared to move out of fear of being shot. As Rick noted, two women were killed inside the church by sniper fire on Saturday. That's according to the Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem. Israel's army said it found no evidence that its soldiers were involved. Ms. Saba, a Catholic from Gaza, now lives in the U.S., told BBC Radio's Today program that she was worried about her sister, her brother-in-law, and their two children, aged 9 and 12, who were trapped there in Holy Family Church. Um, she said she was receiving news about them through a family member who was able to speak to her sister once a day. They said they're locked in, she said. They can't really see the street very much, and most of the time they're cut off from the world. They don't have their phones. They don't have Internet. They don't have the news. She said her sister often asked for news about what's happening outside, 
and was able to hear bombs overhead. The fear they have been living is unreal. So Israel says they have no evidence that their snipers killed these two women. Who, who else did it? You're telling me that uh, Hamas uh, decided, hey, let's take a break here and shoot Christians in their churches? No, I'm surprised Israel hasn't come out and said that. Well, is there any evidence that Israeli snipers shot the hostages, the Israeli Jewish hostages, over the weekend? Do you, do you hear oh, about yes. that? Oh, yeah, I heard about it. They Remember the hostages came out, they had stripped down, uh, you know, weren't wearing shirts so they could show they didn't have any explosives. They were waving a white, white flag. flags. Uh, two of them, they were killed instantly, and the third one was wounded, and then... Uh, after he tried to get up and wave the flag again, they shot him dead. So Israel admits that their own soldiers shot their own hostages. Yes. That they were in Gaza trying to rescue. What does that say? Well, the Israelis say it was mistaken identity. Oh, so if three Palestinian men came out waving white flags, you would shoot them. <laughs> yes, they would. That's what it means. Yes, that's what it means. So you shot two women in a Christian church, the Holy Family Church in Gaza. Where is the outcry from the American church world? Where is it? Crickets, nothing. Right. So we, we have now crossed the line, and the Antichrist army is shooting Christians who are hiding in a church, an elderly woman as a missionary, and then her daughter trying to rescue her. I saw a BBC uh, interview with a, a British uh, member of parliament, Layla Morgan. I think this was on Sunday. And uh, she, she gave an update on... Um, family members that are trapped inside the, uh, the Gaza church because uh, um, th th these, uh, th these two women who were shot were not, they were not Palestinians. Right. So if you are in a Christian church, you are a target. The Jews will kill you. And nobody will say anything about it. This is, this is what... Uh, Member of Parliament Layla Morgan told the BBC on Sunday. Thank you. Well, it's been deteriorating all week. I haven't had an update overnight, and we are now at the point where there is that blackout and the generators have gone, so I'm not sure we're going to get anything, which is terrifying, of course. Um, so it's been getting from bad to worse for a while. We lost a, a family member who desperately needed a hospital just a few weeks ago and, and wasn't able to, to get out. But the escalation really began on Tuesday. Um, there was shooting. They reported seeing white phosphorus. Um, they were obviously terrified. They all went back into sort of the Sunday school rooms in the complex in the Latin church where they are. And uh, they uh, then heard that the janitor had been shot, the bin collector had been shot. And this was from forces who were outside at that stage. Um, then about 48 hours ago, it escalated yet again. There are three generators. Two of them had already stopped working, so already there was dwindling electricity uh, to charge their phones to communicate what was happening to them. Um, but the third uh, caught fire. Um, 
we understand that that was because soldiers had, had hit it. Uh, they managed to put the fire out, um, but that was the generator that pumped any water. Already they were drinking contaminated water. They were down to sort of a meal a day. But this was sort of the last straw. So, so the, the last and we how, heard uh, is that now they are without water, without food, and there is a sniper inside the compound. Um, there's a woman and a, her daughter who have been killed, and what's been happening is as they try and leave their rooms, say, to go to the toilet or something, um, there is firing at them. So how do, how do Jewish soldiers entertain themselves during a war? They shoot Christians inside churches. Yes. For entertainment. Uh, they shoot them like uh, you would shoot rats in a garage. Just for fun. Just to watch them die. Doc, what, what other explanation? Did, did that elder, elderly woman, did she have a gun that she was pointing out the window shooting at Israeli soldiers? No. They shot her for the fun of it. They found pleasure entertainment in shooting Christians in a church. They they are anti-Christ. This is as anti-Christ as you can get. Is there is there another definition of anti-Christ? I can't think of another one, Rick. And you hear the uh and she spoke about this too about the her family and everything being collateral damage in this war. That's the definition that the Israelis and, of course, all the talking heads here in America. Well, there's going to be collateral damage in any conflict, Rick. No, this was this was murder, not something. Well, they just happened to die because they were, you know, like a bomb went off place. down the block and right. shrapnel hit her. Right. No, they they were targeted by snipers. Right. For being Christians in a church. Now, if there was a sniper that targeted Christians in a church here in the U.S., what would that be called? Well, what would they call if if a sniper shot Jews in a synagogue? Hmm. It's called murder. Yes, either way. But just days ago, they went into a school and shot all the kids in the school. And there was nothing said about it. Nope. Children aren't spared. The elderly aren't spared. Wait till you see this one, Doc. This is a, uh, these are Palestinian doctors. Um, They, let's let's back up. Give me, guys, give me a moment here. Set this up, okay? All right. Um, These are Palestinian doctors who were holding a press conference to talk about, now wait till you hear this, that, the Israeli army used bulldozers to crush patients who were lying on the ground in the hospital courtyard. What kind of sick, demented, weirdo freak drives a bulldozer into a hospital courtyard and drives over top injured, sick people? And so while they're talking about this at this press yes. conference, the Israelis started shooting at the doctors. Yes. So uh, we'll, we'll play the video now and uh, Doc will read um, uh, the uh, subtitles in, in English. Uh, they dug a deep hole inside the hospital grounds and covered all the bodies of the martyred. Oh, and here's the gunfire at the press conference. Get out, get out. They're hollering. What are you, where are you going, doctor? We're being targeted. 
It's hitting the ground there. Come here on this side, doctor. On the press conference talking about the atrocity that the IDF committed with the bulldozers crushing patients and then burying them, uh, they came under fire for exposing it. Doc, Antichrist is now moving. The spirit of Antichrist is moving upon the earth right now. Zionism is the beast system. It's, it's identified itself now. We now see it. Zionism is the beast system. And tribulation has started. Satan has been released from the abyss. He's deceiving the nations. And destruction is taking place in many parts of the world now. And this is going to intensify in the months and years to come. And it will intensify and worsen to the point where Almighty God will say to his son, Jesus Christ, go to earth and end it. Yes. If we don't intervene now, no flesh will survive. Go down there, son, and stop it and bring my church home. That's what's happening right now. Throw your prophecy charts away. They were built on dispensationalism, which is a Masonic theology. People have been duped in this country into believing an eschatology that is not biblical. Our own eyes are watching things happen that contradict what the churches teach in this country. So rearrange, rearrange your thinking. And if, if you need some help at it, I encourage you to buy my book, Final Day. I've not said anything for many months about Final Day, but this is the time you should be reading Final Day. And you can order a copy of it at Amazon. Final Day, the 10 characteristics of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Believe me, this is the day, the hour that you need to read that book. And if you already have the book, you should go back and read it again or or get the audio version of it on Amazon. The print copy, the audio version, and the ebook version are all on Amazon. I would recommend that you reread the book or listen to it by audio. Even if you read it in the past, get the audio version and listen to it. This, uh, this next one. Uh, Israeli, um, oh yeah, <laughs> this happened last night. Uh, it, I mean, Doc, if you could shoot Christians in a church, if you can shoot at doctors holding a press conference to denounce using bulldozers to crush people in the courtyard. How about a children's hospital? I guess you could shoot a children's hospital, and that's what they did last night, folks. They attacked a children's hospital and maternity ward at the Nasser Medical Complex in Gaza. So what we're seeing right now is the what's happened after the Israeli strike on the children's hospital. You see the smoke-filled rooms. You see children and bodies, um, portions of bodies, hair. These are children. Video. Yes, children. How can you say you stand with Israel? You're going to stand in hell with Israel. Yeah, Hagee, all of you people out there that stand with Israel. If you don't repent, you're going to stand in hell with Israel. These people are wicked. This is Antichrist. This is the children's hospital that they bombed on Sunday. 
unbelievable, Doc, that this is actually taking place. Uh, this next uh, video is, is uh, compliments of Al Jazeera TV. This is Dr. Ghassan Abu Sitta, and he is sharing his experience as a surgeon in various hospitals in Gaza, and he tells us what he experienced firsthand. Let's watch. The aim of the war is, is to empty Gaza of its inhabitants. This is a continuation of the Nakba of 48. The Israelis have now come to the point where they believe that the solution to their problems is to basically uh, 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 ethnically cleanse Palestinians from Gaza and then eventually from the West Bank and even from the Galilee. And so in order to do that, you need to create a catastrophe and to create a self-sustaining catastrophe. And so what you do in order to create a self-sustaining catastrophe is you dismantle those parts of life that make life manageable in a place like Gaza. And so you go after the water desalination plants, you dismantle the sewage system, you destroy over 200 schools, you carpet bomb the universities, and you, you go after the bakeries and... You then destroy the health system while wounding 40,000. And so that once the war is over, there are epidemics, there is infectious diseases, and people sit and watch their wounded loved ones die in front of their eyes so that they voluntarily leave Gaza. And so the war continues after the bullets and the bombs stop in fulfilling its objective, which is to, to empty Gaza of its inhabitants. He's telling the truth. Yes. It is deliberate plan genocide. First, they declared a siege. They cut off food, water, electricity, fuel. Then they started the bombing campaign. Then they started the ground invasion. They put bulldozers inside Gaza to rip up the streets. Yes. They... They brought in backhoes to dig out the water lines. Yes. They bombed hospitals. They bombed schools. They're shooting people in churches now. They have destroyed almost every structure in Gaza. There is nothing left to go back to. Within another month or two, you will have two and a half million people in the wintertime Outside, no homes, no water, no, no medical care, no schools. They bombed the schools and the colleges. Right. They have completely destroyed Gaza because the end game is the final solution. The wipeout of the Palestinian people. And then they're going to move this action to the West Bank. Yes. And they're going to start systematically killing the Palestinians in the West Bank. And we know that they're going to go into, into Lebanon. This is the Antichrist army on the march. And American Christians are on the side of the devil. It's just that simple. These evangelical church members who call themselves Christian Zionists, they are on the side of Satan in World War III. This is tribulation. They're on the wrong side. They're on the side of Antichrist. They're duped, and they're going to be 
fooled all the way into the lake of fire. I've got more to show you. Now, there, there are a few ambulances left because Israel has blown up the ambulances. So a lot of uh, injured people are being transported to the few remaining hospitals. They're being transported on donkey carts. Now, this video shows a desperate mother driving her injured and dead children on a donkey cart, trying to get her children to a hospital. Picture yourself. Could you put yourself in her position? So the next video will show you a donkey that was not as fortunate as this one. He's only getting whipped. This one's buried under the rubble. This one is trapped in rubble like the children. The, the suffering, the bloodshed, the horror is unimaginable. And the Jews are getting away with it right now. Because they're haughty and arrogant and believe that nobody dares oppose them. The only person who can put them in their place is Jesus Christ. That's it. Right. There's not one person on earth big enough, strong enough, courageous enough to put the Jews in their place. The only one who can do it is Jesus Christ. We're in the last days. Antichrist spirit is moving quickly across the world. Be prepared. Get ready. This destruction is coming to a neighborhood near you. The world is not going to end until this. the whole world looks like this. Right. That's right. Folks, right. do you understand? Jesus doesn't come back until the entire world looks like Gaza. That's the message I'm trying to get across to everybody. We're all going to be Palestinian someday. Here's uh, number 21. Here's uh, doctors trying to revive a little Palestinian girl. Tell me, what did she do to deserve this um, This way to leave this world? Tell she, me, what did she do? She was born in Gaza. She was born a Palestinian in Gaza. And the Jews said, we're going to kill her. What if it was your little girl, your little granddaughter? Did she do anything to the Jews on October 7th? No, she was playing with her toys. She's an innocent child, but the Jews have said they're all going to die. That is not an exaggeration. They plan to kill all of them, including infants, and they're not hiding their intention. The, the rest of the world cannot believe that a nation would go on a genocidal, bloodthirsty death rampage. And and here is where the the rub the west says we recognize you doing that just don't do it so much and try to speed it up can you get it over by christmas because that's the u.s policy yeah could you get it over by christmas by new year's day in other words we know what you're doing just hurry it up and kind of tone it down a little bit <laughs> uh the next one um i don't know if i, I want to i'll save it uh well let's let's take a look this is number 22 this is the uh, destruction of a neighborhood Folks, this used to be a town. There were real people living in those homes. 
just days ago. Why do you have to destroy every single structure? Because there's a terrorist in every single building, Rick. Yes, a Palestinian child. Do you understand what they're doing? The Jews are systematically destroying Gaza. Yes. So that there is not one building standing, not one human breathing. It is a crime against humanity. And I will denounce them with everything that I have within me. I will not look the other way. I will defend the children. This next video, um, we'll have to read the captions on this one. This is, uh, this is an Israeli TV journalist on Israeli television this weekend saying, I can't sleep at night if I don't see Palestinian homes blown up. Let's watch. I am for I don't care if I'm criticized, and I honestly don't care. I'm unable to sleep if I do not see houses being destroyed in Gaza, more houses, more buildings. I want to see more of them destroyed. I want there to be nothing for them to return to. In the Torah, it says they used to spread the earth with salt, and they must complain. That is why we cannot reach a solution with them. That is what war crimes mean to me. So, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're not ashamed of it anymore. They just say, we're awful war crimes. And, and they don't expect to be arrested. There's video evidence of them confessing war crimes. Yes. And they're so haughty and arrogant that they're thinking, there's nobody on the planet that's going to arrest us. Yes. Because we're the Jews. We can do anything we want to do. And everybody's afraid of us. Well, everybody but Jesus Christ. And he's not afraid. You know, they killed him once. They can't kill him twice. He's alive. And he's watching all this. And he's taking accurate records. And there will be judgment on these people. There's probably going to be a shortage of millstones. Hmm. There's not enough millstones right now to go around wow. with all the Israelis for the damage, the injury that they've done to God's children. Woe unto those who hurt and kill little children. We'll take a break. I'll be back in a few seconds. You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. Hey, welcome back to part two of True News. Um, I encourage you to become a member of Faith and Values. Those of you who are watching us on live streaming, uh, 12 to 2, every Monday through Friday, um, you can join our platform, Faith and Values. The The archives of the programs are there. Uh, we're, we, we are building out Faith and Values to be a more rich, robust platform for alternative ideas and thoughts that are not allowed in America today not allowed in many parts of the world. Uh, it's a it's a f- safe zone for conservative Christians in many countries. I, I don't know the exact number of countries where we have members. I know f- from Morning Manna, 
it's averaging over 20. Yes, usually about 20 countries every day represented. But the, the actual number of members from various countries, I don't have the exact number, but we know at least 20 countries. It's where we come together as the body of Christ. This is an end-time platform because we have to connect, we have to unite, we have to communicate with each other. Uh, the, the, the enemy is seeking to divide us, separate us, isolate us, to make each of us think there's nobody, there's nobody who agrees with you. Right. You're the only one who thinks this way. Well, until you get together on a platform like Faith and Values and you find out, no, there are thousands of people all over the world that see things the same way as I do. And that's, that's the beauty about Faith and Values. I encourage you to become a member Check it out, faithandvalues.com. There's a, there's a free seven-day trial. Just uh, check it out. See if you like it. Uh, your membership is a, um, a monthly sustaining gift to, to True News. It's, it's just to help us keep going. And uh, Faith and Values needs that. We need that membership base in order to keep building our, our organization stronger, um, to, to enlarge, to get more uh, content to be brought onto the platform. So as many members as possible, the better faith and values will become because the money is going to be plowed back into the platform. We're looking for more podcast producers. We're looking for more content to add to faith and values. So please become a member. Uh, something else uh, very good that happened. Uh, I want to get a report from Doc about what took place. I've only heard a just a little piece of it, of what took place last Friday and Saturday in Zanesville, Ohio. Yes. As you, the True News family, delivered a new home to a woman who's part of this True News family, Mary in Zanesville. What That's happened, right. Doc? Well, uh, you saw uh, on Friday that we uh, delivered the camper to the uh, new site there, uh, and uh, yeah, I was glad to be a, a part of that. In the uh, Later in that afternoon and the next morning, we outfitted the camper and uh, show you some scenes from that. This was the lot beforehand and everything. We ended up cleaning out the lot, delivery of the camper there on the new site there. And we'll uh, show you a little bit here, take you inside, and uh, give you an idea of how we outfitted everything. Uh, sewer, water, gas, everything. Uh, this is some of the presentation that we had there for her. Uh, we uh, provided a welcome mat for her to uh, be welcome to this new uh, new camper. Uh, we uh, had a welcoming committee, if you will, uh, that day as well. Just to give you some ideas, this is such a difference from where she's at now. And uh, so much more comfortable, so much more spacious, so much cleaner. And mold-free. Mold-free. Uh, and it has heat. Yes. And uh, so you see the, the beautiful linens. And uh, so I'll do a quick video tour here, take you inside to uh, uh, give you a first-person understanding of what it all looks like. We bought new dishes, new pots and pans. Uh, we bought food. We bought all new linens, towels, bed sheets, comforters, everything, the whole nine yards. And uh, so we supplied her 
this is just a few of the things. And even a Christmas tree, Rick, we provided Christmas tree for her to welcome her in there. This is so, so much better than uh, than what she had before. Uh, as with any move, you had little things that popped up. We had to uh, get circuit breakers and uh, all those different things in order to get things ready. It's still a few things we have to take care of. And the city, I understand, uh, connected the water Turned on the water to at the wrong lot. At the wrong lot, and uh, the electric and water. But we were able to get the electricity on. Water is supposed to be uh, getting hooked up today, and uh, well, I'll be getting a report from that uh, when we uh, are in Morning Manor here. And so we are just uh, we're so privileged to be a part of this. Now, Mary was not feeling well on Saturday, and uh, so she did want did not want to appear on video. Uh, Saturday afternoon. Well, but I'm she, not surprised, Doc. Living in the condition she was in, the cold, damp, mold-infested yes. uh, trailer that she was in. Uh, Lee, can we uh, show some of the video of the of the previous uh, living quarters that Mary was in? So this uh, is where that's the old one. And I was I was there, and so uh, uh, this this only gives was you it a full small mold? Curse. Yes, it was. Right. It was full mold. Yes, and. She needs new clothes. She needs new everything. And we provided her some uh, additional uh, funds in order to purchase new clothes and everything as well. Um, and so we're just going to give her a complete fresh start here. And so this old one, she had no heater. She, she was using a space heater, yes. which is not safe to be right. in a camping trailer using a uh, propane space heater. Uh, so the situation, you know, the environment that she was in was very... Very depressing. And I saw that. That's um, that. That wow. doesn't look good. That doesn't no. look fixable, Doc. It's not. And we're going to have the uh, old camper. Basically, you have to have it hauled off, and mm -hmm. so it, it's not usable. Now, I do want to say this: we had several True News uh, viewers that showed up to help out and everything. And I want to say thank you to L and to Thad for helping us out all day Saturday. They were with us all day. Well, thank you. Uh, even as uh, uh, Mary came over, uh, like I said, she didn't want to be on video because she didn't feel like she looked well enough to mm -hmm. be uh, on video. But they stayed around with us all day and got everything ready to uh, welcome her and to show you uh, this uh, new uh, domicile for Mary. And uh, so I want to say thank you to Thad and to Elle and uh uh, they both live within the area, and uh, so uh, they they volunteered to check up on her and everything. And that's great. To, uh, See, that's a, a that's a so, Daniel Eleven Micro Church coming that's right. together. And so, uh, so very, I was very pleased with that, and they were an incredible help. So, if you're watching, uh, please know I, I really, really. So you were busy all day Saturday. I was busy all Friday evening shopping, <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I didn't know how much fun it was to shop, <laughs> and mm -hmm. so now I understand what what you ladies uh, get a kick out of now. But it was fun buying linens and towels and, and all of that. For and, somebody else. Uh, that's right. And so that was a lot of fun. Now, uh, Mary didn't want to be on video, but she did send a message to us here. And so this is Mary uh, in Zanesville, and she wanted to, first of all, thank Jesus. She said many thanks to Jesus and to Doc, Rick, and Susan, and everybody who contributed to this amazing new camper home. And more than anything else, giving me hope. Praise and God. And so, Praise uh, God. Mary, well, we glad, love Mary. you. We bless you. And uh, I know that you'll be watching and listening today. And so, uh, you know, there's still some things we got to take care of, but uh, we're we're getting all those things squared away. And we 
thank you for your financial support in this particular project. Yes. And you you can still give toward it. Yes. Okay? Uh, yes, so because be what we did, we, we, took, we took money out of our uh, general operating fund and went ahead and paid for things, just trusting that your donation would come in in December. So we're not worried about it. Yes. We know, look, I've been doing this for 25 years, and God has met our needs every month for 25 years. I, I quit worrying years ago. I did. I used to worry. I, I lived on a 30-day uh, worry cycle. All right, so God called me out of the business world and put me in ministry. Took away everything, stripped away everything, right? And said, "You're okay. You got to believe me now, Rick, for everything." And so, for every thirty days, I I would I would have enough faith to get through thirty days, and and I did my you know my bawling and crying and uh, everything. Oh God, do you understand? There's only ten days left. <laughs> only ten days left in this month. And Lord, the, you must not have a calendar. And in all heaven. the bills are are due in ten days. And and Lord, do you know? We're down to seven days, Lord. Seven, <laughs> seven days, Lord. Five, five days, Lord. I did this month after month after month for years. And at the end of the thirty days. All the bills would be paid, and then on the first day of the next month, I'd go, "Oh Lord, I got thirty days, thirty days to pay the next <laughs> to the next disaster. To the next disaster. Oh God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do?" And then, you know, thirty days would go by. We'd pay all the bills. That went on for years, and then one day, the Holy Spirit said, "Rick, how how many years have you been in this ministry?" And I forget what it was at that time. Probably ten years or so. And he goes, well, how many months are in those years? Well, times 12, you know, told him how many months. He goes, and how many of those months did I not pay for all of this ministry's expenses? I said, none. He goes, then what are the odds I'm not going to pay for them the next 10 years? Zero. Then what are you crying about? It's the Lord would say, it's my ministry, Rick. It's not yours. They're my bills. They're not yours. Yes. Just be faithful. Do what I tell you to do, and I'll take care of everything. And that was the last day I worried about money. Honestly, Doc, I have never worried about money after that because it's a sin. Praise God. It's a sin. I'm not going to worry about material things, and you shouldn't either. If you obey the Lord, if he's first in your life, and you are a generous giver, the flow of blessings from heaven will never stop. You'll never be with, without what you need to get through each month. Trust the Lord. Become a giver. Be joyful and enjoy life. We'll be back with Morning Manna. Are you concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. Receive Genesis Gold Group's free definitive gold guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD.
Let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to lead us in the study of God's Word. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Father, we come to you in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We ask you, Father, to uh, guide us by your Holy Spirit in the study of your Word, that we would become strong disciples for our Savior, Jesus Christ, and witness for him in this age of apostasy and rebellion against your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, we are in Acts chapter 25, and we're picking up today in verse 13 to the end of the chapter. And so I'm reading from the King James, so if you'll follow along with me in your Bibles today. Verse 13, And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There is a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, It is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die. Before that, he which is accused have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth. Against whom, when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed, but had certain questions of, uh, against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved unto the hearing of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow said he, thou shalt hear him. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with great pomp and was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and principal men of the city, at Festus's commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, King Agrippa, and all men which are here present with us, ye see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, and especially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had, I might have somewhat to write. For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner, and not withal to signify the crimes laid against him. And God bless the reading of his word today. Praise God. Okay, so when we left off on uh, Friday, uh, Paul had... Uh, in, had uh, brought forth his uh, his Roman citizenship claim and uh, invoked his his right to go to Caesar for his trial, the Supreme Court. And uh, Festus uh, basically said, uh, well, you, you want to go see the Wizard of Oz? If that's what you want, you're off to see the wizard. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll send you to Rome. And he said it you know, sarcastically, um, you know, to Caesar you shall go. And so now we get to, to verse 13. 
After several days, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to welcome Festus. Uh, Agrippa II was a um, notable figure in the Herodian dynasty, uh, the son of Herod Agrippa I, who uh, met a tragic end that was described in Acts chapter 12. Now, Agrippa II did not immediately succeed his father as king of Judea, but eventually, over time, received various territories and titles from Roman emperors. Now, Bernice was not his wife. Bernice was his sister. Right. She's traveling with King Agrippa, and I'm only saying this because Bernice had a scandalous history that was marked by various incestuous relationships. Um, Was she having an affair with her brother? I don't know. She's traveling with the king, kind of acting like the queen. Maybe they were just close brother and sister. The Bible doesn't tell us. We just know what history says about her her, uh, reputation. So this visit to Caesarea was a a formal act of greeting and recognizing Festus, who had recently taken up his role as the Roman governor in Judea. Now, Agrippa's opinion on matters related to Jewish customs and laws would carry a lot of weight with Festus, given his status as a Herodian who had understanding of Jewish affairs. Verse 14, when they had been there many days, Festus Festus stated Paul's case to the king, saying, there's a man left as a prisoner by Felix. Now, we don't know the time that uh, went by. The scripture says, They had been there many days. Is that a week, two weeks, a month? We don't know. But at some point, Festus brought Paul's case to the attention of King Agrippa. And knowing that Agrippa had an understanding of Jewish customs and laws, he was hoping that Agrippa's insight would guide him on how to deal with Paul. He explained to Agrippa that he inherited the Paul legal problem. Uh, This matter was not something that occurred during his brief reign, but when he came to power, this was one of the first problems he was given and told that that the previous governor, uh, Felix, you know, failed to deal with it over two years. And he told, the, he told Agrippa how the chief priests and the elders in Jerusalem had approached him seeking a death penalty against Paul. Right. And they claimed that Paul was guilty of offenses that were worthy of death. And so Festus is explaining all this to King Agrippa, seeking advice. In verse 15, he said, Now, he's speaking to King Agrippa. 
When I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me about him, asking for a sentence against him. So he, he explains to King Agrippa that he traveled to Jerusalem immediately after becoming the governor. And the first thing he's told when he got to Jerusalem is the Jews want a prisoner named Paul executed. And he's, he's conveying to King Agrippa that their, their request went beyond a mere trial. They desired a judgment of condemnation against Paul, a yes. death penalty. And, and so the chief priests and the elders of the Jews were actively involved in seeking a legal action against Paul that would cost him his life. And this was not to just bring him to trial, but to obtain a death penalty verdict. And so all this shows to us the level of antagonism and opposition that Paul faced from the Jewish leaders. This also shows us uh, the need for a fair trial in the Roman Empire because there were unjust, unsubstantiated charges against Paul. And Festus, as, as the Roman, new Roman governor, his, uh, his highest priority from Rome was to maintain order. Uh, you know, to, to administer the Roman system of law. And so his interaction with the Jewish leaders, um, it, it demonstrates the challenges and the responsibilities that he faced in his responsibility to maintain Roman law and order in a uh, religiously hostile environment. Verse 16, again, uh, Festus is speaking to Agrippa. I answered, it is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to die before he who is accused meets the accusers face to face and has the opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge brought against him. So Festus um, responding to the request of the Jewish leaders to deliver Paul for execution, pointed out to them that it was a violation of Roman law and justice. And he's explaining all this to King Agrippa. He wants King Agrippa to know that he is following Roman law. Right. To the, to the letter. He doesn't want anything to mark his his uh, personnel personnel folder in the Roman uh, Department of Human Resources because he wants another promotion. He wants he wants to to go even higher in the Roman Empire. You know, running Judea was that wasn't the best position you could get. So he's, he's, he's looking out for himself. Uh, he explained to them that it was not the custom of Romans to condemn and execute anyone without a fair trial, and that the Roman legal system 
guaranteed the accused right to confront their accusers directly. To, and this was done to prevent false accusations. And this is where America, this is where Great Britain and America derived their, the, the foundation of their legal system. According to Roman law, the accused had the right to meet their accusers face-to-face and to present a defense concerning the charges brought against them. So there's a due process and the rule of law was present in the Roman legal system. And once again, Festus is emphasizing to King Agrippa his loyalty to Roman jurisprudence, uh, the principles of fairness, due process, the right of defense. He's checking all the boxes as he talks to King Agrippa. He wants King Agrippa to say inside his mind, I like this guy. He's doing things by the book. I like this guy. Verse 17. So when they assembled here, again, this is still Festus talking to King Agrippa, when they, the Jews, assembled here without delay, I sat on the judgment seat the next day and ordered that the man be brought in. <clears throat> so now he's he's telling King Agrippa how prompt he was in dealing with the case that was left behind by Felix. That this was a high-priority item to take care of. That's right. That he did not procrastinate, that he realized that a, a Roman citizen had been held in custody for two years without a fair trial. Again, he's his audience is King Agrippa. He wants the king to say, this new governor is excellent. He's doing everything by the book. And he's, he's showing that he was efi- efficient in governance, that he um, administered his role promptly, and that he wanted to maintain law and order, and at the same time, keep the Jewish leaders happy. Yes. And he was looking to King Agrippa for wisdom, for advice. How do I do both? Yes. And you may be wondering why why was he trying to make such an impression on Agrippa here? Agrippa was raised in Claudius Caesar's household. Yes. Uh, he went. I guess you could say he uh, had his education there. So he had a lot of connections back in Rome. Had a lot of friends back in Rome, um, and you know the right word or the wrong word could really uh, send things south for Festus. So, uh, yeah, you know, because really, uh, Agrippa didn't have jurisdiction over all this, uh, over this area, but he did have jurisdiction over the temple and appointing the high priest, and so there was a connection there, um, but uh, but no. He was a Herodian, so yes. he had he had a um, a bloodline connection to ruling uh, ruling uh, Jerusalem on behalf of the Romans. So uh, he tells uh, King Agrippa that he immediately took his position on the judgment seat, 
And that judgment seat symbolized the authority and the power of Roman officials to make judicial decisions. And he uh, he wanted he, what he's saying to to uh, Agrippa is I wasted no time letting everybody know who was boss. You know, it's like in a courtroom when the judge walks into the courtroom and sits in that chair. That is his domain. That's the man or woman who has the power to send you to prison. And so Festus is showing Agrippa. I went into action quickly. I took my seat on the judgment seat. I let everybody know I'm the boss. I'm running things here. I represent Rome. Well, this, this verse also marks the beginning of Paul's trial. This is a significant moment in Paul's life because this trial will determine Paul's fate and, and play a crucial role in the rest of the story of Paul's journey and mission. Verse 18, Festus tells Agrippa, when the accuser stood up, they brought no accusation against him, meaning Paul, of such crimes as I had supposed. You can see the expression on his face and the inflection of his voice. King Agrippa. When, when the Jews stood up in my courtroom, they had no accusations. I... I had imagined that this guy, Paul, had done something horrible. Like, I, I assumed that he had um, started sedition against Rome, that he maybe was a murderer, a, a violent man. I had all these ideas in my head, but when the Jews stood up, they had no accusations against him of such crimes, such crimes as I had supposed. See, the crimes that the Jews had in their minds were not crimes in Festus's minds. Yes. He's saying, I, I just assumed that Paul was a, a murderer, a thief, a, 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 an insurrectionist, a, a domestic terrorist. There you go. Well, what in the world? I mean, the man's been locked up for two years. All of the Jewish rulers. The Sanhedrin are here. They've, they've tried for two years to get this man killed. What in the world did he do? But when they stood up, they didn't say anything that was a crime in the Roman Empire. He said, when the Jews presented their case, they, they, they failed to, to list any accusations related to serious crimes. Instead, Festus told Agrippa the charges against Paul were religious. And in particular, they're fixated on a guy named Jesus. Right. Who was the Roman government executed him at the behest, the demand of the Jews years ago. But this Paul thinks he's alive. And that's what this is all about. 
Now, keep in mind that this is a 20-year time period from the time of the crucifixion till when this is taking place, maybe a little more than 20 years. Yeah. So, you would think everybody would know who Jesus is, right? It, like In our world today, everybody knows the name Jesus, right? But in there, it, it, Jesus was just another criminal that was crucified from the right. Roman perspective. So Festus, you, could, you know, I can imagine, uh, I mean, not Festus, but Agrippa, I can imagine the puzzled look on his face as he's listening to, to Festus. Uh, verse 19, Festus says to Agrippa, but they had disagreements with him about their own religion and about a man named Jesus who had died, but whom Paul asserted was alive. And, you know, I, I, I just I picture King Agrippa going, kind of like rubbing his eyes and his forehead going, What? This is about a dead man that that the Jews killed, but this guy Paul thinks he's alive. That's what this is about. This is weird. What what is going on here, Festus? Jesus, Je oh yeah, Jesus. Hey, yeah, we my, yeah my great uncle uh, uh, had him in his court. Yes, twenty years ago. Yes, I heard these stories. Yes, my great uncle. I heard these stories. Jesus, he's been dead for 20 years. Are you telling me they're still fighting over that dead man? Yes, Agrippa, they're still fighting over him. The Jews say he's dead and Paul says he's alive. That's what this whole case is about, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this is what it was about. Between the Roman governor and the Roman king, that's what they were talking about. You know, I, I, I just, it's, I just imagine the two men just looking at each other, saying, "Can you believe that these these Jews are fighting over a dead man, somebody we we crucified twenty years ago?" And Festus saying, "Yes, because Paul is adamant." that Jesus is alive, he even claims he met him after he died. That's, what, that's why these Jews want to kill him. So we, we see that Paul consistently preached the resurrection of Jesus. It was a central part of his message throughout his life. And, I, and I'll just... I got to make this point, friends. The early church talked about the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the church on the day of judgment. They didn't talk about the state of Israel. They didn't talk about a rapture. This, these things were not in their minds. Amen. That's good. They talked about that Jesus was resurrected. And because he was resurrected, I would be resurrected someday and you would be resurrected someday if you have faith in his resurrection. And when you, stop and, think, and when you stop and think about it, Rick, how many churches actually preach on the resurrection or teach and preach on the resurrection? Really? I mean, really focus that. I don't know where you would find it. Maybe, you know, on one, one day a year, 
America's churches are obsessed with the Zionist state of Israel and a phony rapture before the second coming of Christ. They are, they have been duped and hoodwinked and they have given up the most important message of the church. That's right. It is the message of the church. Without the resurrection, what do you have? There's nothing. There is no, there is no life after death. There is no eternal, eternal life. There, there is no new Jerusalem. There's nothing. It is the message. But if you listen to these guys on Christian TV, religious TV, all they talk about is stand with Israel and get ready for the rapture. You know why they teach about get ready for the rapture? Because they believe the Gentile Christians have to be taken out of the way so that the Jews can rule the world. Yes. Now, that's the core message that they're teaching. Has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Verse 20, being perplexed about such questions, I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and be tried there concerning these charges. So Governor Festus explains to Agrippa that he found himself in a state of perplexity regarding the nature of the questions and the disputes involving Paul's case. He was uncertain about how to conduct an inquiry into religious matters, not legal matters, religious issues. And to resolve the dilemma, he explains to King Agrippa that he came up with the idea of sending Paul to Jerusalem and let the Jews handle the matter. Now, at this point, Festus is revealing to Agrippa that he wanted to avoid making a very difficult decision. Agrippa may have been at that moment thinking, Festus, that was not a good idea. I know what they would do to Paul. He's a Roman citizen. They're going to kill him the moment you turn him over to them. So probably wasn't, he probably wasn't shining too brightly at this point because it raises questions about his impartiality as a Roman governor. Now, possible Agrippa was also <laughs> thinking, yeah, just get rid of it. Who cares? But the fact that Paul was a Roman citizen what, did not make it easy to just depose a, a, a Paul and just brush him away and let the Jews kill him. In verse 21, but when Paul had appealed to be under guard for the decision of Caesar, I ordered that he be secured until I could send him to Caesar. So Festus uh, informs Agrippa, he asked to go to Caesar, and I agreed to honor his request because it was a legal request. He was justified. He has the right as a Roman to make that request. Festus and Agrippa both knew that Paul's appeal meant that he wanted his case to be decided by the Roman emperor, who just happened to be at that time Nero. 
who had put a lot of Christians to death. Remember, Nero's the guy that was tying Christians to the light post and setting them on fire to light up the street. All over a real estate deal. Yes. How'd you like to be walking down the street and look up at the light post and say, that's my uncle. That's my father. They're going to, they're going to use him as a torch. That was Nero. But I guess Paul thought he had a better chance with Nero than with the Jews. Or, or with, uh, with Festus, because uh, Acts 25, 9 says the reason why he was sending Paul to Jerusalem was to do the Jews a favor. That's what 25, 9 says. Uh, to Jerusalem, yes. Yeah. Right. So the, there, was an, there was a partiality on uh, Festus's part there um, to, uh, you know, to do the Jews a service. Yes. Uh, so automatically, Paul knew he couldn't get a fair shake either in Jerusalem or in Caesarea, either one. That's right. That's right. Uh, so Paul's decision to appeal to Caesar was a uh, strategic move, uh, hoping to get a fair trial in Rome, and also to preach the gospel in the heart of the Roman Empire. You know, Paul was thinking, if I have to give up my life to preach the gospel to Nero, I'm willing to do it. If that's the price I have to pay for that old boy to hear the gospel, then I'm willing to submit to Christ and go to Rome and stand before the most Christ-hating Roman emperor in history and preach the gospel to to Nero. What other no. way could that happen? What other way? There was no way he was going to receive no. an invitation from Nero or anything like that. So how else was he going to be able to preach to Nero unless the, and let's look at that, even though the, uh, we see the political infighting of different people, the Jews, the Romans, and uh, and everything going back and forth, it was the Lord that was fitting all these things together. This is some of the, it, it, to me, it's not perplexing at all, but it seems contradictory that all these things, bad things that were going on with the political shenanigans that were going on, yet the Lord used it because he had a destination for Paul, and that destination was Rome. Yes. The Lord wanted Nero to be saved. Think about it, folks. The Lord wanted Nero to be saved. Would you give up your life so that you had the opportunity to preach the gospel to the most wicked person in your country? Because that's what Paul did. Verse 22, Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, and, and then Festus said, You got it. Tomorrow, you shall hear him. Agrippa, as we've pointed out, was well acquainted with Jewish customs and religious matters because he was a Herodian. He had a long family history of ruling Judea. And 
there may Agrippa's interest, I think, expresses some curiosity about Jesus. Yes. Maybe he had heard stories about a resurrection. He certainly heard something about the the way. Uh, um, I don't think he was totally ignorant about the church. So Agrippa, uh, Agrippa's uh, desire to, to hear Paul reflects his curiosity and his interest in hearing more about this, this unusual religious sect called the Way. They were not called the Christians yet. They were the Way. And there was a desire to understand the teachings and the beliefs of this of this sect called the Way. So Festus agrees to bring Paul to Agrippa the next day. And um, and so the story goes on to verse 23. The next day, Agrippa and Bernice, his sister, came with great pomp. And they entered the hall with the commanders and the leading men of the city. When Festus gave the order, Paul was brought in. I don't know why, Doc. I just I had a I had a picture of Festus walking in. I mean Agrippa walking in like Paul Lynn. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Sorry, that'll be stuck in my head all day now, Rick. <laughs> Some of you don't know who I'm talking about. I'm fashioning in there. Yeah. So, where is he? That's what I imagined. <laughs> he came in with great pomp. Then they had the horns blowing, the trumpets, the drums. They had the the uh, the dress blues. The commanders were in their dress blues. They they were full regalia, and they they marched in. And he made a big scene. He wanted everybody to know, I'm higher than Festus. I am the man here. I, I'm the king. So King Agrippa and his sister arrive, and, and, and they're accompanied by a grand entourage and royal splendor to hear the case of Paul. So this is just elevated. The, the the fact that that he entered with all this pomp elevated Paul's case. Now everybody knows this is this just went up a couple notches. And you know the, it was actually a fulfillment of what the Lord uh, had said to Paul that he would uh, uh, be a vessel to that Paul would be a vessel to the Lord, yes. bear his name before the Gentiles, which he's done, and kings. And the children of Israel. Up to this point, he'd not been before a king. Now he's going to be before king, King Agrippa II. Yes. And, Doc, there's there's a contrast here. The worldly pomp and splendor of King Agrippa and the humble, imprisoned condition of Paul. One is brought in as a reigning king. Another one is brought in as a prisoner. And yet the king was the prisoner. He was a prisoner to sin and death. And Paul, the prisoner, was free. Seated in heavenly places in Christ. Seated in heavenly places. 
Um, so the chief captains, the military commanders, the influential figures of the city, they're all there for this trial. Um, this, this guaranteed that Paul's message, the message of the resurrection, the message of the cross, would be heard by the most influential people in the city. So, you know, oh, Paul, he's just, you know, he was grinning. You know, he was thinking, wow, what an audience. They're all going to hear the gospel. None of them can stand before the Lord on Judgment Day and say they did not hear the gospel because I'm going to tell them today. Amen. So Festus, the, the presiding official, gives the command to bring Paul before this uh, distinguished audience. And um, so Paul is brought forth, and he continues to fulfill his role as a witness for Christ, even in the face of adversity. Verse 24, Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are present with us, you see this man concerning whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. So he's highlighting the seriousness of the accusations against Paul, stating that the entire assembly of the Jews, both in Jerusalem and Caesarea, had vehemently demanded that Paul should not be allowed to live another day. The fact that they demanded his death rather than a lesser punishment revealed the hostility Paul faced from the Jews. So Festus, his intention was to present the gravity of the situation to King Agrippa. The, the mention of the Jewish assembly's accusations against Paul in both Jerusalem and Caesarea uh, reflected the, the Roman legal process. Festus was concerned with the legality and the gravity of the charges against Paul and fully aware that he had to fulfill his governmental duties as, a, as an agent of Rome in handling a very severe case against a Roman citizen whom he, in his own mind he knew was not guilty of, of breaking any laws in Rome that were worthy of the death penalty. Right. But his, the, the conflict that he had was, it was a political problem. They had to find a way to solve this thing without starting a riot among the Jews. Verse 25 I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, but when he himself appealed to Caesar, I decided to send him. So he's he's explaining to everybody there that after a thorough examination of the case, he found that Paul was innocent of any crimes deserving the death penalty. And that's really, at that moment, Festus is, is affirming blameless life just like Pilate said about Jesus I find nothing wrong in this man hmm. 
The Romans couldn't find anything wrong in Jesus or Paul, but the Jews wanted both of them dead. So the appeal to Caesar, again, is, is a major significant step. Um, Festus respected Paul's right to make the appeal. He knew that, that Agrippa was going to agree with it because it was the it was the legal procedure and and so all this paves the way for Paul's journey to Rome that had been prophesied earlier and it meant that Paul would bear witness for Christ in the heart of the Roman Empire verse 26 Festus says but I have nothing to write to his majesty concerning him. Therefore, I have brought him before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that upon examination, I might have something to write. You know what this comes down to? Bureaucracy. Yes. King Agrippa, you know I have to file a report. I don't have anything to write. Help me. I, 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 what am I supposed to put in this report to Rome? I'm required as the governor to send a document about this case. And there's nothing to write. But I've, I still have to, I'm still required to write the document. So we see that, you know, 2,000 years ago, government officials were still at that time um, required to fill out bureaucratic paperwork. documents, paperwork. He had paperwork he had to do. And so he's asking King Agrippa for tell me what to do, tell me what to say in my paperwork. Verse 27, for it seems unreasonable to me to send a prisoner without signifying the charges against him. <laughs> he's saying, King Agrippa, I'm going to send a prisoner, a Roman citizen, to Nero. And I don't have any charges to put in the report. All I can put in the report is the Jews want him dead because he believes that a guy named Jesus is alive. That's it. He's not a Roman insurrectionist. He's not a, a domestic terrorist. He's not a murderer, a thief. He's not a criminal. He believes that a dead man is alive. How in the world do I put that in a report to Nero? And so that's that's the question he, he's asking King Agrippa. Please give me advice. It's unreasonable to send a prisoner to Rome without writing down the criminal charges against him. And that's where we leave off, and we will pick up with chapter 26 tomorrow morning. All right. So uh, very good lesson today, Rick. And so a lot of insight on this particular uh, chapter, a lot of things getting uh, pulled together here as we move to the closing chapters of the book of Acts. And uh, we hope to get everything finished this week as well. So uh, read ahead in chapter 26 for tomorrow. And that way you're all prepared when you come here for Morning Manna, Morning Manna every weekday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. And we invite you to listen to us live 
and to uh, join us when we have our live interaction every morning. If you're not able to join us live, you can always listen to the replay on faithandvalues.com. And don't forget that uh, you can also uh, listen to True News each weekday at 12 noon right here on Faith and Values, also on truenews.com. Rumble, Getter, and other social media outlets for True News. That's 12 noon Eastern time, 12 to 2 each weekday afternoon. And so we invite you to that as well. We had 19 countries checking in here with us today, Rick, and uh, uh, between three and 400 people joining us today. And so we appreciate those uh, that came on board and we really appreciate your interaction and uh, everybody being involved. And so this is a, a, a great opportunity to be able to teach and share the gospel message with so many people. And we hope that it's a blessing for you. Rick, any uh, final words before we uh, close out for today? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, on behalf, of, yeah, on behalf of everyone here at the ministry, we love you. God bless you. And we'll see you on the next edition of Morning Manna. You know, Doc, there's a, there's a good question to ask all of us. Would you, would you give up your life if the Lord asked you to go somewhere and testify for him to a lost person and yet tell you in advance this is going to cost your life this unsaved person may 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 accept jesus may be saved for eternity but it's going to cost you your life to do it and imagine you had friends and ministry associates they were telling you know when you go here they're going to bind you up they're going to put you in uh in chains and uh and you're going to you know yeah, the famous uh, prophet Agabus. Yes. Uh, that when he prophesied, it was real. It was true. Yes. Yeah. And and so Paul knew what was going to happen to him. But the thought of testifying to Nero. Yes. I mean, if you were given the opportunity to testify to Xi Jinping and would know that that old boy is going to hear the gospel. But that your life is But he's going to kill you when it's over. But he might end up getting saved later. Would you do it for Jesus? Wow. That's a tough one, isn't it? How how submitted are you? Is he your king? How submitted to Christ are you? Every one of us, we need to ask ourselves that question. Would we do anything he asked us to do? Um, I hope I never am given that assignment. But you have to ask yourself... If he would give it to you, would you obey? Would you submit to him? Hey, come back tomorrow for more Morning Manna. Uh, We're almost finished. The Acts of the Apostles, it's been exciting. I love you very much. We'll see you tomorrow on True News. listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.